Let's open up to Romans chapter 12. We are on a journey, and I love journeys. It means we're headed somewhere, uh, and we haven't arrived yet, but we're, we're on a journey. And uh, at the back table, we have these. We, we, the last couple of weeks, last week, we took a break from that, and we, um, we talked about something that is essential in the body, and that was what we did last week. It's called fellowship. Fellowship is not just a good idea or something that we religious people like to do because we like to eat. It's actually a biblical function of the church. Did you know that? Getting together and hanging out. And you don't have to be like super spiritual about it. Like you can get together and have fellowship and not have a devotion. And not even like have, you know, prayer time. <sighs> really? Well, your life should always be filled with that, right? But fellowship is what we did last week after we had worship and we had a message. We just hung out. We had picnic lunches together. We were friendly with people. We sat and talked with people. And that is a, a not just a good idea, it's a God idea. In fact, it's a command in the Bible that you should not neglect the assembling of yourselves with the body. It's called fellowship. So I want to encourage you to continue to foster that in your lives. It shouldn't be just something you do on Sunday morning once a week. It should be something you do throughout the week, getting together with friends, going out for a cup of coffee, hanging out and doing lunch together, dinner together, something where you have that fellowship. And uh, I want to encourage you with continuing in that uh, as, a, as a believer. But we, we took a little break from our series last week. Um, two weeks ago, I was away in Florida enjoying a family vacation with our children and uh, down with my folks and we celebrated our 26th year anniversary, my wife and I, pretty awesome. So here's a, here's a funny fact, we, were, we uh, were staying with my folks in, um, in uh, Palm Coast and then we drove back to Orlando to fly out on like a six o'clock flight the next morning, so we had to be there like 4.30. And so on our 26th anniversary, we were in a hotel room with uh, six of us all together. One, it was awesome. Um, <laughs> So my youngest child was sleeping in the bed in between my wife and I, and, and she looks over at me, and she goes, happy anniversary. Who, who would have thought 26 years later, here we would be in a hotel room with two queen beds and four of our children for 26 years. But it was amazing. I love vacations with family, but they're also work with kids, so my wife and I are getting away on our own for our 26 honeymoon um, next month. So uh, that's when we'll celebrate, but uh, I had somebody here that was celebrating a 40th anniversary this morning. I said, man, that's amazing. He's like, you know what? It's only like five minutes. It feels like five minutes. I said, really? He said, yes, five minutes underwater. Um, but <clears throat> that's all right. I said, okay, whatever it takes. <laughs> Amen to that. I heard him. Amen. Um, but we are on the spiritual gifts and out on the back table, uh, we've got these kind of listed out for you. And there are three categories of spiritual gifts. And in this church, we believe that you should understand what the word of God teaches, right? I think that's a good idea. Uh, well, let's, let's try that again. We're not just a social club. We're not playing bingo. We believe it's important you understand what the Word of God says, right? And that you not just be a hearer, but be a what? Doer. Doer. So we're putting some things for you in black and white because that helps, but it talks about the sign gifts, the support gifts, and the series that we are on or we're teaching about the seven service or motivational gifts. And those gifts are mercy, teaching, prophecy, uh, giving, exhortation, serving, and administration. And on the back of this blue piece of paper, I think that's blue. Is that blue? Am I right? Okay, purple, same difference if you're colorblind. Um, 
I'm color deficient, but on the back of that, we have the, the particular gifts that we're going through right now. And it talks about uh, a definition of the gift and a strength and a weakness of that gift. But I really want to challenge you and encourage you to understand what your gifts are. If you're coming to church and you're just hearing about things, but you're, you're doing nothing with it, then you're missing out. Uh, I was really encouraged by... Our men went away on a, um, a little retreat this weekend. I've heard some incredible stories um, of the men that are growing in their spiritual journey. They're on a, a spiritual pilgrimage, something called a journey. A lot of our men in small groups and we're uh, getting together. And this, the men's group went on a, um, a retreat this weekend. And one of the men said to me, there was a, a guest that he's met recently in the group. And he's, a, he's a, uh, a newcomer to the group. And as I begin to engage in conversation, he said, yeah, he's... He's a new guy and he just came. He didn't come on the retreat, but he's coming to our group on Wednesday nights. I said, well, is he a believer? He said, well, he said, well, you know, he's kind of like me, like I was. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, he's like a zombie. I don't, I hopefully, we no names given here, but I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he says he's a believer, but I said I was a believer for many years, but I was like just spiritually dead. I was just a zombie walking around going through the motions. I thought, wow, it's a pretty neat picture, a neat analogy of spirituality of a lot of us in the church today. That we are Christians, but that we're not really doing anything with that faith. We're not doing anything about it. And, you know, the conversation went on to understanding the importance of being a self-feeder. What does that mean? It means if you just come to church, you get fed once a week, you're in trouble. Are you with me? If you just come here once a week to get fed in church, you're in trouble. See, this is a time that we should come together and we celebrate what God's doing in our lives and through our lives from what happens in small groups or what happens in, in little Bible studies that you're at or what happens just in life. We celebrate together on Sunday morning, but this, if this is your only time to get fed, then you are already starving and you're malnourished. Spiritually, you're a zombie. Going through kind of the motions of life and of Christendom, but having no real power or impact in your own life, in the world that you live in. And so, it's very important that you understand how to be a self-feeder. So, as this man and I, you know, we just engaged in this conversation about um, how many people, and this man said, you know, Pastor, I was in, in a church, and, uh, and I'm not saying there's anything special about this church, but there are churches that um, don't teach their people the importance of, of spiritual formation, spiritual growth, spiritual development. And they just come and people come to service once a week and then they go on their week and they go about life and they kind of put God on the shelf along with their Bible, along with their prayer life and there's no engagement in their own, uh, own responsibility of feeding themselves on the word of God. So we're going to hear a challenge today from the word. My job as a pastor is to train God's people for works of service. You as a believer are responsible to get that nutrition you need. Through the word of God, I talked about it earlier in the first service, but I believe that there are three components to that spiritual growth in your life. And it's, I call it the three-legged stool. You can have a stool with three legs and it'll remain balanced and it'll stand, but you remove one of those legs and it's going to topple over. And I used to have a stool. I use it for an illustration. I cut one of the four legs off and had that three-legged stool. 
and, and it would stand fine. Then I slipped that third leg out and it toppled over. Here's the three legs that you need that are essential for your spiritual journey. Prayer, fellowship with God, the word, getting into this, and fellowship with the body. That's why I talked about that word fellowship a moment ago. You need to have Christian fellowship with other believers who are on this journey together. It's essential, not just a good idea. It's essential for your, your spiritual growth. So this whole idea of zombies. You ever seen the movies, the zombies, the walking dead or whatever? Those, yeah, I don't, shows, I'm not into those. But dead people walking around. Oftentimes in the church, we can be like that. Just dead people, spiritually dead, not acting on the authority and the power that is ours through our relationship with Christ. We're kind of just going through the motions of Christendom. And so why is that important? Because I want you to understand as we're teaching on these gifts, and I hope that you'll, you'll get a copy of these service gifts. And these service gifts are primarily for uh, outreach and they function on a much more personal level. Every single one of you has at least one, if not more, of these seven motivational gifts. It's how God's wired you to function. It's your role. Understanding your motivation and your service gift is a part of your role in the body. And it doesn't always mean that it's within inside the, the quote-unquote um, institution of the church and, and, and the, the functions of the day-to-day -day operations or the four walls. But it's your role in the body, in the world. All different parts of the body function together for the good of the whole. It's when we as believers get to understand our function and then we actually act upon it. Because some of us knew it and I believe if you, you don't use your gift, you what? Lose your gifts. It's important that we function in that role and then we come alive. Then we come alive inside because we know what is our function. And so this morning we're talking about the gift of exhortation. Another word for exhortation is simply encouragement. And Romans chapter 12 uh, verses 6 through 8 is, is kind of our text for this morning. But I want to give you the, the bigger context found in uh, verses 3 through 6. So just listen to this one. For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. But to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. We all have different functions, right? Different members, different functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individual members, one of another. So look around you. There's lots of different parts of the body here. Your hand would do you no good if it wasn't attached to your arm, right? That would do you no good if it wasn't attached to your shoulder, which is attached to your body. Think of the different parts of the body when we all function together. For the good of the whole. So Romans 12, 6 and 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us. He that exhorteth. That's the King James version on exhortation. So encourage. Let me give you a couple more scriptures that I don't have on the screen. First Timothy. This is Timothy talking in uh, chapter 4 verse 13 until I get there focus on reading the scriptures to the church and encouraging 
the believers and teaching them. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, not forsaking. See, some people think it's not that important that I go to church. Do you know that? You know, the average Christian today attends church twice a month. In the summertime, it's way worse than that. Twice every 12 weeks. Um, that's what happens, right? We get busy, I get it. But the Bible says to don't not forsake the assembling. So even if you're not in church on Sunday mornings, don't forsake getting together with other believers. Get in a small group. Have a friend over for coffee. Get together for dinner. Do something because we need each other. Is anybody awake? Yes. We need other believers. The Bible says don't forsake assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhort one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. What that means is the worse things get in the world, the more we should be getting stronger as a church. Hello, you guys need to wake up t today, okay? Help me preach and we'll go faster. The worse things get in the world, would you, you can turn on your TV and see things are getting bad, right? Okay, we got that part established. Okay, the worse things get in the world, the more important it is for the church to come together in unity and be strengthened together. Because we need each other. Thank you. Great, we can go home now. I'm all set. Help me get through these points. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is Paul again talking. And we urge you brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, Help the weak, be patient with everyone. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them and encouraging them to continue in the faith. Exhortation comes from a really fancy Greek word called paraklesis, which you really don't care about, but it's the word paraclete, which is the word, the very same exact word given for the Holy Spirit. The, the scripture teaches that he is our paraclete and that word simply means he's our helper. How many of you need help sometimes? Like you're doing a project. I've got like the greatest helper. My son Isaac and, and Chloe, they were working on a job helping me and I've got my little helpers. I'm like, I need this or I need that. I was up on scaffolding yesterday and I'm like, can you get me this? It's great to have a helper, isn't it? We all are thankful for helpers. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And this whole idea of helper means one called alongside to help. That's what that means. We all need that. The gift of exhortation or encouraging, the definition is that special ability or gift that God has given to certain members of his body to come alongside to help strengthen, steady, and encourage those who are weak, faltering, or discouraged. And so it's critical that we all encourage each other but there are some here today, specifically in this body, that have that gift of encouragement. You know of those people, right? They come alongside you and they just kind of give you a little word of encouragement. They can tell when you're down. They see it in you. How many of you have ever experienced this? And they come up and they encourage you, right? Aren't you thankful for those people? Maybe you're one of them. But we all love those encouragers. It's the guy or the gal who, who makes you feel like there's hope. I can make it. Even though right now life really stinks and I'm not going through good. And the encourager comes along and they, they put some wind in your sails. 
Encouragement may include things like an, an unusual uh, knack of speaking the right words at the right time to encourage. That's one of the, the things that encouragement may include. The right word at the right time. It may be the ability to, to plead with others to follow God and to obey his word. An encourager is somebody who kind of spurs you towards spiritual growth as well. Sometimes it's just in the practical things in your life that you need some encouragement in. But, but also the encourager recognizes that everything in life that's practical ultimately goes back to what's spiritual. And if you're encouraged in your spiritual journey, everything else in line, life lines up. Did you know that? In fact, it says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So that's simply an encourager saying, hey, put God first and everything else will ultimately come together. You know, you, you need to lose some weight. You know what? Put God first. That'll ultimately come together. You need to get a better job. You need to be a better husband. Listen, put God first and that'll all kind of come, it'll all fall in line. Did you know that? We tend to overcomplicate things and we look at them from the wrong perspective. The encourager has the ability to counsel and to comfort and to console those who are discouraged. They have the ability to, to counsel others in need of affirmation or direction. These are things that come through the encouragement. All of you would agree, hey, I need those things, right? Well, guess what? If the encourager is not using their gift, you might be missing out on some things that you need to spur you towards spiritual growth. Affirmation. They have the ability to admonish and to warn those in danger of abandoning the faith. We've all seen that, right? I've heard people say, well, I don't go to church anymore. No one missed me. No one cares. Why bother? And they've walked away from their faith. It's not just church attendance, but church attendance usually is associated with disassociating with believers, right? And then before you know it, those people who are not associating or having fellowship, remember that command, with other believers doesn't take long before it's one step away, another step further, and before you know it, totally away from their spiritual faith journey. So what if the encourager had done their job to say, hey, I know you're discouraged right now. I know you're upset with this, you're not happy with that, and you know, blah, 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 whatever it is that's, that's pushing you away, or someone in church offended you, and then you stop going, listen, hang in there, because kingdom things are way more important than some of these little things. The encourager has got a critical function, a vital function in the church, and Paul was a great illustration of this in his life, and I'm gonna give you some of the things that, and I see my time is ticking, but I'm gonna move fast, so stay with me. And motivation to urge people to their full spiritual maturity in Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. Paul's goal was to, says, to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul urged people to grow. And, and if you have grown stagnant in your walk with God. If you're not pursuing greater spiritual growth. You're going to quickly grow stagnant and slip away. By the way, it's great to see all you Teen Challenge, the whole house is here today. Would you guys let them know you love them and appreciate them being here? There's, if there's one thing I could say to every Teen Challenge man that's in the house and, and women that are in other houses is, is you are learning some of the tools 
of life to function that a lot of believers don't get in their everyday life. You are getting, if you can stick with this program, that's like boot camp and it's hard as anything, I'm sure. But you're getting the tools to learn how to function, to learn how to uh, be a self-feeder, how to grow in the word, grow in the Lord, and to grow spiritually into your full potential that is, that is yours. I wanna encourage you to stick with it. Use these tools that you're learning. And they will help you to survive. These are, these are not just little nice Bible stories. These are survival skills you're getting. Because when you get out of there, well, even before there, all hell breaks loose. You need those tools, right? So you're getting tools in your tool belt to help you survive, guys. And, and, and Paul was encouraging us to continue towards spiritual maturity. Paul also had an ability to, to discern where a person is in their spiritual growth and speak on that level. Paul met people where they were at. He didn't try to speak over their head and, and preach over their head and challenge them with things that they weren't ready for. In fact, he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul saw Corinthians as spiritual infants, babes. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. You know, sometimes in the church... People who are babes in Christ come in and those who of us who have been around a little bit more expect those spiritual infants to, to be able to handle things that are way up here because we're handling them in our life. But they're not there yet, right? It's not up to you to look at them and say, oh, you need to get this, this, and this straightened out before you can, you know, serve in the church because your life's a mess, man. Well, join the club. So is mine. We all are, right? But a, a, an encourager sees where a person's at and is able to meet them on that level and help encourage them to, towards spiritual growth. An encourager has a desire to give steps of action in, in urging people towards spiritual ministry. Not just, hey, you should do this. Here's how to do this. Here's what to do. And Paul's writings are filled with practical um, little steps or counsel towards these action steps on how to grow spiritually. Here at Center Point, we don't want to just say, hey, you got to grow. You know, I talked about being a self-feeder, but here's the truth about the men's group and this man that was talking to me earlier today about being, he said, for decades I was a spiritual zombie because I went to church and I listened at church Week after week, and I heard the songs, I did the thing, but I, I didn't know how to grow spiritually. And so, discover or start the starting point that Kevin's doing is an eight week class that we have that, that helps you get started on the right foot. Uh, because a lot of people uh, are told, hey, you need to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. All right, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How do I do that? All right, great, it's good to read your Bible, but where in the world do you start? Have you ever been like me and read the Bible and said, I don't know what the heck that means. Anybody else ever do that? Just the preacher, right? All right, well, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what that means. So you have to get some, some, some practical, here's what, here's how, here's where to start on that journey. So this is what an encourager does, helps to give. And so we need that, right? Those that will say, hey, you know what? You'd be a great candidate for getting in the starting point. Or why don't you come to my life group? Because we're doing a study on the, the gospel of John. Whatever it might be. So a, a, an encourager like Paul has this drive to explain the truth in, in a logical reasoning so that people will accept it. 
How many of you know those people who are deeply logical and they just can't, it's got a, they're very um, analytical and logical. Well, Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 about the resurrection are the uh, a classic passage on logical thinking. And reasoning was the basic method when dealing with Jews and Greeks and King Agrippa. So Paul gives this logical whole exhortation. And so an encourager can help with that. Do you know that we all learn different? We all think different. We all process different. Encouragers are great at helping people kind of navigate that. Encouragers have an ability to visualize spiritual achievement for people and use that to motivate them to action. How many of you have needed some motivation sometime? Right, someone to kick you in the tail and say, all right, here's, here's what we need to do. Because it's very easy. He's like, me, you know, two hands in my foot. You know, I need some motivation. Some of us lack that. Some of us tend to be procrastinators. Don't look around. Don't elbow your spouse. All right. <laughs> but some people tend to procrastinate things. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that someday. I'm going to set some goals for my spiritual journey maybe sometime. Why not today? Why not now? Why not jot down where you want to be 30 days from now, 60 days from now, 90 days from now? Well, that seems silly. No, it seems like a, a goal, a, a kind of a sequential goal to say, hey, a, a goal that's in your mind that's not written down is just a pipe dream. It's a fantasy. It's probably not going to happen. Write down some goals. I'd like to read through the Gospel of John this month. Great. Write it down. And set some backups. All right, there's this many chapters. I got to read this many verses a day. Blah, 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 blah. Set some of those goals. And encouragers help to do that. They, they kind of help to visualize. He was a master, Paul was, at, at uh, picturing spiritual goals for his workers and his churches. And he reinforced them by the example of his own life. Read Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. You see it clearly. He has a desire for face-to-face -face discussion in order to determine... A, and ensure a positive response. Paul had this incredible ability to continue to reaffirm, constantly reaffirm people. And that's where encouragers come in. Encouragers are critical to the body of Christ. We've all had times in our life when we just wanted to push the cruise control and kind of coast, right? And encourager will come along and kind of spur you on towards greater spiritual growth. How many of you could use some spurring on at times? I think all of us. So encouragers, we need you to encourage. We certainly should get encouragement from the word of God. And, and there's some of you in the room that say, well, you know, people just need to buck up and, and take care of business and give themselves a kick in the pants. And well, that's all good and well, but that doesn't work for everybody, right? We're all different in this place. There are different things that work for different people. And what works for me might not work for you. So we need to help each other, encourage each other. And encouragers who have that gift need to use that ability given to you from the Holy Spirit to be a helper, to help each other along. Encouragers have an ab ability to identify with people of different types and backgrounds in order to gain a wider hearing. Paul, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 that I, may, um, I am made all things to all men that, by, uh, that I might by all means save some. Encouragers also have a motivation to bring harmony between diverse groups of Christians and an awareness that harmony is absolutely basic to spiritual maturity. Paul worked constantly to 
uh, resolve conflicts and divisions between individuals and within the church. There's always been division in churches. Did you know that? That's nothing new because as long as people have been around and churches have been around, there have been personalities that differ. And Paul was constantly in there trying to work to resolve those differences and those diversities. And he was trying to help people work through conflict. Conflict's a part of life. You're going to always have conflict with somebody, right? An ability to welcome personal tribulation as a key or a main motivator to spiritual growth. You see, Paul looked at tribulation. I had a great conversation with someone this week about that. Going through hard times. Those tribulation, hardship in this life. You will have trouble. The Bible says that, right? And Paul looked at that as an opportunity for growth. So he welcomed that. Bring it on. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, with the testing of your faith because that develops perseverance, right? To continue on. So Paul acknowledged that and he, he glorified, the Bible says, his infirmities because he, in his infirmities he saw that they brought Christ's power in a far greater weight in his life. Give you some quick strengths of this gift. Um, folks with this gift have an ability to listen and encourage and admonish to give counsel on a one-on-one -on -one basis. They have the ability to pull others along and spur them on to spiritual growth. They're a, an encourager is like God's cheerleader, right? Yay, Ra, you can do it, you can do it. We all want those cheerleaders at times to kind of encourage us on, right? The desire to teach practical application of scripture rather than just the factual understanding. Uh, and that's the difference and we're going to talk about a teacher. Sometimes the gift of teacher, we need those people with the, the gift of teaching. But they tend to be more uh, factually driven than an encourager who is going to focus more on the practical side of things. A positive attitude and outlook on life placing a great emphasis on God's grace and the ability to help us through our circumstances. The ability to see all suffering and hardship as an opportunity for Christian growth. I already alluded to that one. The ability to stick with people when others give up on them. The ability to remain patient with people even when others might accuse the exhorter of being naive or gullible or easily taken advantage of. Could be that that encourager is just a little bit more patient, right? The ability to focus on others' gifts and strengths and help them develop and exercise them to their fullest potential. Wouldn't it be awesome if everyone arrived at that potential which is inside of them to be the man of God or the woman of God that he's calling you to be? The encourager has a keen sensitivity to know when someone else is discouraged and a strong desire to want to help. The encourager is, is the guy out in the lobby or the gal out in the lobby that before you even get into church in the morning in here, they're out there and they see you coming in and they can tell that you're downtrodden and your head's hung low and your shoulders are heavy and they jump into action. And this is why it's critical that we be obedient. See, it's the body ministering to the body. If everybody comes into church on a Sunday morning they just expect ministry to take place from this pulpit to you, you've missed out on what the church is all about. The church is the body ministering to the body and if you've got the gift of encouragement and you're sitting in the lobby and you see someone come by you that you don't even know but you can tell because God tells you in your heart that they're discouraged and you have the gift of encouragement, what should you do? Use your gift. Encourage them. 
Don't just sit there and say, oh boy, that person's down, but too bad somebody's doing something. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> who cares? Use your gift. And when you use your gift, here's the amazing thing about this. You begin to come alive inside. You begin to feel fulfilled inside. You begin to come to church instead of saying, what can I get? You say, what can I give? And as you give, you begin to grow. Hello? This is a problem with church today, right? Everybody comes, well, you know, I'm here. Feed me, feed me, feed me. You are all ministers of the gospel, every single one of you in this room, and you all have gifts that I don't have. We have different gifts, given according to the grace that God has given to you. And some days God may use you in the gift of, of, of exhortation. You may not function all the time, but maybe it's a situation like I said out in the lobby and, and you just see somebody and something pricks in your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. Jump to action. Be obedient to him. Let God use you. And as he begins to flow through you, you'll begin to come alive inside because you won't be like the Dead Sea. Stagnant because nothing flows out of it. When the Holy Spirit is coming in you and, and, and then you allow him to flow out of you, you begin to grow and come alive. And that's when you stop walking around as a spiritual zombie. Are you with me? I'm sorry, I get a little excited about that. But I want you to, get the, I want you to come alive. There's too many zombies walking around in the church today. There's lots of weaknesses. Here's some of them. Uh, the, the, the encourager tends to raise expectations of others prematurely, right? So the encourager is the guy that's like, you know, you, you, you talk to him and you're like, man, I need to lose like 100 pounds. And he's like, dude, you can do this in the next two weeks. Let's set a goal. I believe you can lose 100 pounds in two weeks. And you're like, uh, probably not. But the encourager's like, oh yeah, you got this, right? So these are some of the weaknesses that they have. Be, be aware, encourager, to be realistic as well. Encourage, but don't go overboard. They can neglect family time to counsel others. Here's what an encourager does. An encourager sees everybody's problems. They just, they know them. Somehow they become aware of them. They see them. They hear them. People come to them because they know they'll get encouragement. And so the encourager is quick to neglect their own family to take care of everybody else that's got problems. And I've had to say to those encouragers, listen, it's great that you want to encourage, but your first and your primary responsibility is, is your ministry at home. And there's other people. But here's the problem. It's the 80-20. We call it the Pareto principle. There's only 20% of encouragers doing the job that God has given them to do. You've got that job description. God's placed that mantle of anointing on you and in you. That's your gift. But when only 20% of you are doing it, that means you have what? 80% of the workload. Are you with me? And so then that, those encouragers become burnt out. I gotta go encourage. I know I gotta neglect my family because I gotta go encourage them because that's my job. That's how I've been wired. Thank God they're doing what they've been wired to do. But when everybody does what they've been wired to do, it makes the load lighter. Right? Great, three of you got that. So we'll move on. <laughs> Number three, sometimes they jump into new projects before they finish the existing ones. They're encouragers and they get they're like, all right, hey, let's get together and let's do this project. And they get all excited. They get all jazzed up. And they're jacked up and they're pumped up. And they get other people excited. And then, then another project comes along and they're like, okay, boom, see ya. I'm out of here. And they're squirrel. And they go on to the next one. And then everybody that they encourage is like, hello, what's going on? And, but that's what an encourager, Paul was kind of like that. He got a church up and started, and he said, okay, here you go, guys. You got this. I'm off to plant another church. So we need those people, but there needs to be balance. You got to just be careful about are you going to finish, not finish, and how God's going to work that. Encouragers, uh, encouraging others to depend on them rather than God. Sometime an encourager, unintentionally or, or without bad malicious motives, 
um, allows, so when people are receiving help and counsel from an encourager, they feel good about it, and the encourager finds a degree of sense of joy and fulfillment that they're feeling good about it, right? But they contend, if not careful, to become that person's savior. And that's out of line, out of balance, right? You are not their savior. You are not here to carry the weight on the world. All of your encouragement comes from the Holy Spirit downloaded through you to minister to them, but not to get them to, to look at you as their all in all. You've got to deflect them to God because that's their only savior, their true help, right? Their true help, the paraclete is the Holy Spirit, comes from him alone. God will work through you, but just be careful. Again, be careful, keep balance, not to become um, someone else's savior. Trusting visible results rather than a true change of heart. Sometimes an encourager sees some, some out, uh, external things going on. They get so pumped up about that and, and they're great, but yet there hasn't been a real change of heart. And is that the encourager's responsibility to change someone's heart? No, only the Holy Spirit has the ability and the power to change someone. You have to draw them to God. Again, encourage them towards spiritual growth. It's only him, it's only the Holy Spirit that can transform a person. Just be careful there. Giving counsel before discerning the type of person or problem. Exhorters tend to, to kind of categorize problems in their mind and um, they, they may not have necessarily heard all the facts and like, okay, boom, 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 I see what's going on and they jump into action and that can be very dangerous. Uh, the next thing is they can become impatient in helping people who don't show quick improvement. Encouragers can get a little, they can be patient on some sides and then not so on the other side. They, they feed on success and many times encouragers are in a hurry to kind of say, you know, let's, let's get, I wanna, I wanna get you going and, and sometimes more focused on that rather than lasting change. I wish that change was easy, that we could just put the easy button and boom, we'd like that, right? Wouldn't it be awesome? But do you know that change is a process, it takes time. And you can't rush things, things that are worth anything take some time, right? And, and I believe the Holy Spirit is amazing and powerful and can change in an instant, instant what counselors can't do in a lifetime. But oftentimes it's the, the journey of the transformation that we miss out on. We're all, all about the destination. Paul helps us to understand, man, it's through the fire that God is refining you. It's through the hard times. But we're all quick to say, hey, I want to get out of the hard times, right? No, it's through that that God is doing a deeper work in you. So embrace that like Paul did. But when you're in the fire, boy, it's nice to have a little encouragement. Hey, you can do this. Hang in there. You got this, man, right? We all need that. I'm not going to get into this for the sake of time, but Acts chapter 4 verse 36 uh, tells us about Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, you know, were, were kind of cohorts a lot, but Barnabas' very name means son of encouragement. And his life was a continual succession of helping, lifting, and encouraging those that other Christians didn't trust. Uh, Barnabas was essential uh, when no one believed that Saul was converted yet as a disciple, Barnabas took the initiative. He introduced Saul uh, to the apostles and he told them, hey, Saul's conversion is real and, and listen to his preaching and it's, it's the real deal. What an, what an amazing, and I don't know what the story of Paul, Saul slash Paul would have been like had it not been for Barnabas who needed that son of encouragement. Look at the background again. We don't have time to get into all the, 
the context of the history there, but you read that story, you'll be amazed. Encouragement transformed that whole story into being what it really was with Paul's life and how he was used in such an instrumental way in the New Testament church. Barnabas encouraged, lifted, helped the weak, and he strengthened those who were faltering. There's a lot of people faltering that need some encouragement. And I think we, and, and I know that I joke about this a lot. I say, hey, turn to the person next to you. Say something nice about them. Tell them you like their hair, their shirt, their whatever. But that's just a small way to say, when you come into this place on a Sunday, you've just come from the world throughout the week that you probably haven't gotten all kinds of encouragement, right? Maybe from your boss or from coworkers and, and, and life is hard out there. When you come into here, man, it should be an atmosphere that is energized and charged by the Holy Spirit working through you and working through me who are functioning in our gifts, who yes, we're all operating in, in, in being an encouraging atmosphere, but the guy with the gift or the gal with the gift of encouragement has to be using that. The guy with the gift of serving should be using that. The guy with the gift of teaching and preaching has to be using that. All of these gifts are so critical so that when you come in on Sunday morning, man, it should be such a, a wind of refreshing. And we're coming again, not looking for what we can get, but what we can give. And as we give, the Holy Spirit downloads, boom, exactly what you need. Because he knows what you need way more than you do and more than I do. Amen. And that's the amazing thing about the way the Holy Spirit works. I don't always get it. I was talking to my friend Bruce in between service and we were talking about, you know, sometimes I say things I don't know what I said and I wasn't planning on saying it, it wasn't in my notes and it, boom, it's just the Holy Spirit and I don't remember him half the time and someone says, oh, you remember when you said this in the service? I'm like, no, I don't because it wasn't me, it was him, right? But that's how it works and I'm not saying anything about me, I'm just, it's about you. When you allow him to work through you in the gifts that you have, he builds the church. He builds the church. He expands the kingdom. Barnabas always saw God's gifts in people and he patiently worked with them until those gifts were developed and exercised. The way you increase those gifts, you use them. You don't use a muscle, you don't exercise a muscle, it becomes weak, right? And fatigued. And not long before it's just not there. In conclusion, the encourager is the gift or the ability to spur others on to follow after God. We all need to be spurred on, right? Encouraged and challenged. The encourager is, lives to bring the best out in people. That's, that's why they're there. They just want to bring the best out in people. Um, I want the best in me. Do you want the best in you? Of course. We want, we want that to come out. We want people to see that. We need people who have this gift to be operating in this gift. The encourager or the exhorter sees the God-given potential in every person that attends this church. They're the person that sits in the lobby and they're like, wow, this person is so great at this. They should be doing that. They might just need a little bit of encouragement from you. Because usually those, those people, they might have a little bit of low self-esteem and they may lack confidence or the boldness that they need to step out. And they need you to say, hey, come on, man, go do this. You know you're good at this. You're gifted at that. Use that gift. But the greatest danger of an encourager or an exhorter is that they might allow other people, again, their motives aren't bad, but they might allow other people to depend on them instead of on God. It's not about you. 
It's not about even your gifts. Because your gifts are what? Gifts. They come from God. They're not about how great you are. Oh, I got this and I got that. No, it's a gift given to you from God. Use it for God and for his glory to be a blessing to his church. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Say that with me. Let us use them. Let's say that, those, those four words again. Let us use them. It's critical. Oh, that's a good message, Pastor. That's great. And then we leave here and we don't do anything about it. If, if God has spoken to you and you say, man, I, I believe I've got that gift. Um, even if you don't think you've got that gift, but you know someone who does, encourage the encourager to use the gift, right? There's all kinds of gifts that we need in the church for the church to be healthy. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? And I want to challenge you on your way out today to remember part of the function of the church is what? Fellowship. Time in the word, time in prayer, time with Christian friends. You need that. And if the only fellowship you have with Christian friends is on Sunday morning, then you are missing a leg to your three-legged stool. And it's not stable. Well, you don't understand. Life is busy, Pastor. I don't have time for all kinds of, you know, fellowshipy stuff. That's nice for people who are social. I just, listen, get over yourself. We're all busy, right? We're all busy. Make time for Christian friends because you need it to grow and to be all that God wants you to be for kingdom purposes. Amen? Amen. Mr. Kevin Wood, would you come and close us in prayer? I'm going to uh, turn the service over to him and uh, I'm going to try to go by the back door and say goodbye to you on your way out here. But don't rush out of here. I want to, in, I want to encourage you to encourage someone else before you leave here this morning. God bless you, Kevin. Thank you. So in the middle of this series, just a reminder, every single one of us here has at least one so as you're hearing these messages, hopefully you're working to identify what is it? What is it, God, that you've given me? What is it that you've gifted me with? Because we, we as a family, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need each and every one of us to be serving in our gift capacity. There's something that Pastor Craig said that I know that many of you can relate, but I certainly related to. When you're operating in your gifts, it is just amazing how God pours into you, how you feel so energized. And when you're not, that's when you feel tired, worn out, weak. But man, when you're operating in your gifts, he just energizes you to keep doing more. So I encourage you to get in this study, that in this series that we're in, talk to other people, talk to friends, talk to others. If you don't know what your gift is, make sure that you're talking to them as well. Let them know, encourage them, as Pastor Craig said to help them identify what their gifting is. Every one of us here has at least one. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this entire morning. Thank you for your presence here, for your Holy Spirit here, the, the worship time we had this morning, just a powerful time of worship. And God, I just thank you that you care about every detail of our life, God. And you just want so much not just for this church, but for us as individuals. You have so much to give out through us, God. Help us each to seek you, and as we do, to discover 
our purpose, to discover our gifts that can be used to help this church, to help this community, and to help the kingdom. We just thank you. We praise you. We give you all honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.